Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. I hope everybody's doing really well. It's, uh, man, uh, I would encourage everybody, please, if you don't mind, give us a like, give us a share, spread the spread the gospel of drag racing. You'd be blown away to know how much of a difference it makes, and uh, I surely appreciate it. So, oh my gosh, there is... Uh, Tons to talk about. I don't even know where to start. Holy cow. We're like in the full swing of drag racing season. And it's like, uh, we're, it seems like we just got started, but there's something going on like 10 times a weekend. There's a drag race. It's unbelievable to be honest. It's, uh, I'll be honest. I missed the, the barn burner of a Midwest drag racing series event this past weekend at extreme raceway park, right down the road. Uh, hated to miss it to be honest, but it was spring break for my kids. So Personally, there's a whole lot of people that are fresh off a weekend at the racetrack. I'm fresh off a weekend in San Antonio. Um, took the family down, stayed on the Riverwalk. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's just an incredible part of our country. It's an incredible part of Texas, um, full of history, and it's just beautiful. It's such a such a nice place to go. We uh, Max and I, my little boy, uh, we took. He's not so little anymore. He's 12, and he's as tall as I am and maybe, maybe, maybe taller than I am. It's, it's possible that he's taller than I am, but, uh, we rode every freaking roller coaster at SeaWorld. And I'll tell you, you may be sleeping on SeaWorld. If you haven't been to SeaWorld, I'm not necessarily a SeaWorld connoisseur, uh, connoisseur. I'm not saying I've been to all of them, but I was stunned. I kind of thought we'd see a bunch of like flamingos and whatever. They've got legit hardcore roller coasters there. I was warned about this and I guess I should have listened because the last roller coaster that Max and I went on was enough that it almost got me. I mean, like this close to, I mean, it was time to go home. I looked over at Max and I said, Hey man, that was fun. It was a great time but I'm done. I'm not riding anything else. It's, it's, it's time to go. So anyways, uh, it feels good to be back. We had a lot of fun hanging out at the pool. It wasn't necessarily like scorching hot, but it was warm enough to catch some rays and be out, uh, in some beautiful weather, man. And I just, uh, tons of fun, freaking good times are, are around. And I will say good times everywhere in the sport of drag racing right now. And that's what I was talking about at the start of the show. I just, trying to kind of wrap my head around how much great racing is going on. You think about the fact that 2020 was almost entirely lost or at least devastated by COVID, a global pandemic, all these things going on in our country, economic turmoil an election year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to see what's happening in our sport specifically right now, massive turnout at virtually every race, incredible fan participation, uh, I just, it makes me proud, I think, more so than anything else. As much as I'm excited, I also feel a ton of pride just that our sport, not only did we endure a really challenging year in 2020, but we seem to have come out swinging in 2021. And obviously, there's a lot to cover today. It's going to be a challenge to get it all done. But I'm just, I guess if there's any takeaway from today's show, I'm just proud of us. I'm proud of our sport. I'm proud of all these smaller series, these independence events, um, the NHRA, just everybody, the street and strip uh, scene. Texas 2K just took place this past weekend at Houston Raceway Park. Packed. It's just, how can you not be excited? I hear people, and this is something that's been an ongoing 
topic of conversation, if you will, but a lot of us suffer from what Brett Kepner would call good old day itis, where we're always talking about how things used to be and how awesome it used to be, you know, at OCIR in California or how awesome it used to be at, you know, Huntsville at the height of 10-5 racing or whatever. I tell you, I'm telling you guys, I promise you, we right now are living in the good old days. When it comes to drag racing specifically, and I would argue in all things, but in the sport of drag racing, there's never been a better time than right now. It's incredible what's going on across the board. Of course, is there room for improvement or the things that should change, need to change, likely will change? Absolutely. But this is a great time to be a part of the sport of drag racing. And being that we had some technical difficulties, which I'm, I'm here to report, I think we have overcome. No, no promises, but I believe we, we moved facilities when we were doing the show so consistently. We were back in Kirksville. Over the course of the last eight months, we've been kind of an ongoing process of relocating to Fort Worth, Texas. I feel like we've got the studio pretty well locked in now. So I'm hoping to be filming from here all the time. We, we've got dedicated setup, killer internet, uh, at least as of the last couple days. So hopefully we won't have any further problems and we can get kind of back into the rhythm of doing this. But since we didn't get to talk about it last week, I want to spend at least a little bit of time with some self-serving C-Tech World Door Slammer Nationals presented by Jeg's Breakdown. Personally, I mean, I guess uh, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you. Um, it's hard to know where to start, to be totally honest, but... I just want to thank, I want to thank, I, first and foremost, I want to thank our racers. I, I didn't, uh, we did our, our absolute best to, to thank everybody that came through the gate. I spent my Sunday morning as uh, our elimination day was getting underway, perusing the staging lanes, trying to make sure that I was able to at least at the bare minimum, shake hands, make eye contact, fist bump every single racer that was entered that made it into elimination rounds. Did I get to see everybody? Probably not, but I, I made a concerted effort on Sunday morning to make sure that I got to interact, albeit briefly, with every racer that was going into eliminations on race day. And I just, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the shared passion, I believe the shared vision it's the most rewarding experience in the world to to bring people together like that and to be able to send everyone home safely with no crazy carnage. Um, we did have a couple incidents, tore up some parts or whatever. Rick Hort had a scary incident, but by and large, everyone was able to walk away uh, and live the race another day. As a promoter, that's something that's out there at all times. I've told that to my wife and my kids and not so much them, I guess, but about anybody who's ever asked me about that part of our business one of the things that always, this is a heavy deal. Like there's money at stake. There's what else? There's, there's money at stake, the weather, you're worried about that. You're worried about all these things, but you above all else, you don't want anyone to get hurt. And that's a tough one because this is a dangerous business. These cars are violent, ill-tempered, challenging in every way imaginable. And I think some of the, it's something that, again, we've talked about this before on the show, but it, it's worth repeating. The courage required to strap into these things cannot be overstated. And the reality is they're dangerous. It's, there's no chance, there's no guarantee that something bad's not going to happen out there between those concrete barriers. And for us to leave Orlando Sunday night, Monday morning, and know that all of our racers were going to go you know, share a dinner table with their family, sleep in their own beds and whatnot. It just, 
it was a tremendous relief. I'm so thankful for it. Um, and I got to say, again, going back to our racer support, incredible support across the board from pro, pro stock and pro mod, uh, pro 632 factory shootout to top sportsman comp eliminator stock, super stock. We, uh, we're still getting our feet underneath us on some of these sportsman categories and we worked through some growing pains, but I'm really proud of what we were able to do, the race we were able to have. We had some rough weather on Saturday, unfortunately. I truly believe, based on our turnout Sunday, I truly believe had we had good weather and a solid forecast on Saturday, that place would have been pandemonium. I'm talking fire marshal pandemonium. Sunday was off the hook unbelievable literally unbelievable i can't even that anybody that's ever put on a drag race knows that sundays are kind of tough right there's family day church uh there's just a lot it's not always it's not necessarily your swing for the fences fan turnout day that's typically saturday when you're going to have a capacity crowd when you're going to be bursting at the seams it's going to happen on saturday and to lose saturday by and large was a bit of a you know kick in the butt but it really gave us a great sense of what we were building, where this thing is headed, the kind of momentum we have. And I can't say we have fans from all over the world turn up. And I got to point to my friends in our sport compact and import categories, our modified import and old school import categories delivered in spades. We brought in, we did an invitational uh, two, car, two class shootout, two eliminator shootout for this year's running of the World Door Slammer Nationals. Uh, Ozzy Moya and the gang down at Orlando Speed World Dragway, they, they came to me and said, we really think this is going to be a great fit. Our modified import category and our old school import category, they're different. They're loud. They've got rotary engines and, and two Jay-Z six cylinders. And I mean, it, they're, they're popping and banging. This will be a great addition to the show. And they absolutely were. And I personally believe that a lot of our fanfare that came from Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, et cetera, I think we owe a lot of that to our import racers. I hope we created a little bit of crossover. There's no guarantee, but I truly believe we turned some pro stock, pro mod, kind of traditional NHRA door slammer fans into import fans. And I hope that we turn some import fans into NHRA, you know, quarter mile door slammer fans and, and factory shootout fans and pro 632 fans. I think it was a great crossover opportunity and I'm excited, honestly, to see how it goes in 2022. I think there are ways to expand that part of the program. Um, we're, we're, we will be making some changes, some exciting stuff that I think is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I do, again, want to thank all the fans that showed up. Our sponsor support was, again, off the hook. Um, to be able to go into an event with with that kind of backing and have the support of C-Tech Manufacturing, JEGS, Strange Engineering, Lucas Oil, PDI, Performance Diesel Incorporated, uh, TrueLeave, a, a, a medical marijuana company based out of Florida, all these companies, Elite HP, uh, my team at Drag Illustrated Magazine, it, just to have all these brands involved, and the list goes on and on and on. We had over 55 companies jump at the opportunity to be involved with this race. And I just, I can't say thank you enough to everybody that believed in us uh, and cast their vote, not only with their participation or not only with buying a ticket, but they cast their vote with their wallet. And in this day and age, anybody who's ever sold a sponsorship deal who's ever sought support from the automotive aftermarket, the manufactured 
um, our manufacturers. It's a tough deal, right? These guys have a lot of places to spend their money. They have a lot of options. And I just, I can't say enough about the group of people, the men and women who demonstrated their belief in what we're trying to do and, and helped us put on what I believe to be the best drag race in the United States of America. And if we aren't that now, we will be soon. The future's bright for this deal. The phone's been ringing. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of options. And I just, yeah, I want to say thanks to everybody. Before I dive into some of the actual race highlights, um, for me personally, and there's a lot of things we can talk about, like who won, and I'm going to try to, you know, keep this as brief as possible. But I got to say, I truly believe we had some like legit drag racing moments that took place at this year's World Door Slammer Nationals. It's obviously I'm biased. There's no doubt that I'm biased for sure. But man, we had a bunch of them. First and foremost, man, we had a lot of debuts. And I, again, kudos to drag racing. I just, the amount of high level debuts we're having in high level drag racing is super exciting. Uh, it's happening all across the board, but I point to like J.R. Gray. I could spend the next hour talking about J.R. Gray. This young man teaming up with Mike Janice and Mike Janice Jr., that whole camp, the Janison Performance Machine out of New York. These guys, we need them in the sport of drag racing, man. It's It's a fact. And I was really taken back whenever I heard the news that Mike Janice, due to a, a heart issue, um, some medical issues, wasn't going to be able to return to the seat of their family's pro mod car. He is such an iconic racer. He's such a, he's a first ticket, first ballot hall of famer in drag racing, in my opinion, specifically door slammer drag racing, multi-time world champion. There's so many layers to that onion. He's a family man. His son is the crew chief on the car. Mike Janice Jr. I admit has become a real a real friend of mine. And we talk a lot. We were very close. And whenever I started to kind of consider what door slammer racing would be like without Mike Janice, you know, crossing his heart, standing behind that car, it, it bothered me. I, the sport, we need guys like that out here. He's in his, obviously I felt that was a team that was still in their prime and it bothered me tremendously to think about what our sport would look like and what pro mod drag racing would look like without without Mike Janice in competition. The melding, they the news breaks that they're going to put J.R. Gray, uh, a huge name in the, in the no time, grudge racing, drag radial scene, really kind of had his coming out party um, relatively recently, the last six months or whatever, kind of burst onto the radio versus the world scene, had been very well known at any outlaw eighth mile track in the country. Known for his Fox body Mustang, that low slung black, um, fourth or Fox body Jason X it goes by and this is one of probably the most notorious grudge racing cars in the country and one of the most notorious grudge racers in the country now showing up behind the wheel of an NHRA legal pro mod car with a championship pedigree around him a championship platform around him I couldn't be more impressed with JR from the water from the staging lanes to the water box to the to the return road demonstrated his wherewithal behind the wheel from start to finish. He got his license uh, 
immediately dives into the 570s, seems very comfortable behind the wheels, does a patented kind of Mike Janice short burnout, um, rolls way out of the water to start his burnout, just like Mike Janice always has, uh, just did a great job staging the car. When facing adversity, JR did a fantastic job. This is a little bit of an unknown thing, but it's a worthwhile storyline. You'll be able to read about it in an upcoming issue of Drag Illustrated Magazine. Our World Door Slammer National Souvenir Souvenir issue is going to print next week. It's going to be sick, and you'll be able to learn a little bit about this story. But J.R. Gray in one of the – maybe the semifinals, the car's down a hole. They had some engine trouble, weren't able to get it fixed in the pits. But instead of throwing in the towel and offering up a competition single to their opponent, no, sir, Khaled Al-Belushi, our eventual event winner – they go ahead and put that thing in the beams on seven cylinders and no one knew this, right? This isn't something that was being talked about. And this is straight out of the outlaw grudge race and playbook. That thing's hurt. We know it's hurt. Not everybody else knows it's hurt. If you had a trained ear, you could notice it was missing. You could hear it, right? Goes up there, does a burnout, backs up, turns on the top bulb. Khaled Abelushi's in the other lane. He puts this thing in the top bulb. Khaled hasn't even, I think he's got the top bulb on. What's J.R. Gray do? Wax that thing. Puts it on the firewall. Just doing anything he can to try to rattle Belushi and get Belushi to roll through the beams, leave before the trees activated, something, anything. Didn't go J.R.'s way. Belushi goes marching down through there, clicks off another seemingly effort, 5.6 second run. But just that moment, holy moly, man. You can't ask for stuff like that. You can't, you can't, it's unbelievable. And the fact that the good Lord in the universe just delivered that to us, it's incredible. I hate to see any racer tear up any parts, part of the game, unfortunately, at this level, but to see them respond to that, like that, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. And I don't want to labor over J.R. Gray too much because everybody will think I'm a big fanboy and it'll become a thing. But this is, this is one of the best things to happen to ProMod Racing since Stevie Jackson started doing it. Um, this is a guy who has the financial wherewithal to afford to do it, which is very important, right? Um, not, not beholden to a bunch of sponsor relationships or whatever. He obviously has sponsors, and it's been fun to watch local companies, smaller businesses jump in to try to support JR's green, uh, JR Gray's dream of going ProMod drag racing. But – the fact that he is bringing that and has, he, well, he's so good at it. He's so well-spoken. He's quick-witted. He's ballsy. All the things that we need. He has all those intangibles. And bruh, he, we need this guy out here, man. We need him bad. And NHRA, if they don't know, they need to know. Someone call Glendora. I'm not doing it, but someone call. I'll do it. Someone call Glendora. These guys got to know about J.R. Gray. If they don't know, they need to know. This guy is a star. He's a superstar. He, he's, he's dripping with personality. He's a very talented wheel man. He, he's got the, he can walk the walk and talk the talk. I just think it's a fantastic thing for the sport of drag racing. And it's a, I want to touch briefly on, um, some of the other debuts that we had in, in Orlando, but I, I want to, I want to kind of book in this J.R. Gray conversation. This is the type of thing they need to stick a camera on this man day in and day out. All right. 
They need to do whatever they can. I know that we're going to do it. I believe the NHRA needs to do it. This is a guy that has some transcendent star power. You never know where these guys are going to come from, right? I'm sure there have been many instances in the MLB, Major League Baseball, the NFL, the UFC, boxing, whatever sport you want to bring up. There's a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, comes out of left field. You can't miss him. You, you got to be looking around all the time and, and trying to identify these people that, that have that something extra, that have that little bit, and he's got it. And I, I encourage you, if you're not a fan or if you're not familiar, look him up on Facebook. Not a super, you know, social media guy or whatever. I'm sure that'll come in time. But this is a guy that's doing all the right things, has first class equipment, and I think he's going to be a problem throughout 2021 for anyone in Heads Up Door Slammer Racing. And I think it's great for the class to continue the conversation of the debuts that took place at the SeaTech World Door Slammer Nationals. I'd be... <sighs> It'd be a shame not to talk about Lyle Barnett. This is a story, as you know, that's near and dear my heart. I consider Lyle a personal friend. Uh, you guys are going to have to start calling me Stephen A. Smith because I act like I'm best buddies with everybody. Um, but it's funny, right? But Lyle is a buddy of mine, and I think it's inspirational and heartwarming for all of us. I mean, if you don't feel this much, if you don't feel this way about him, uh, if you're not excited to see him succeed, I mean, I, I think you need to check your pulse or go to church. It's uh, this is such an incredible story to see someone not only not only come back from the brink. In case you have forgotten, Lyle Barnett suffered a devastating fire in the fall of 2015 that nearly cost him his life at South Georgia Motorsports Park. Parts failure, blah, 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 ends up in the wall on fire. Um, spends the next several months in the hospital fighting for his life, skin grafts, all these medical terms that I'm going to butcher so I won't even say them, fights for his life, wins that fight, determined to make his return, returns to radial tire racing, goes straight to the winner's circle, sets the Leaf Spring world record probably 700 times, more than anybody's ever done, I don't know. Lyle continues his trajectory, and it's interesting because he, he tr continued the trajectory he was on before the wreck. That's what's so cool about it. He, he, he continued that after he returned from his fire, and to see him have the success that he has had, be it in horsepower wars with beer money, uh, his grudge racing car, uh, again, in the, the tooth jerker and leaf spring racing, it's just been so fun to watch. And when I started to find out that Lyle had an interest in, in moving into NHRA quarter mile pro mod, which I believe is without question, the final frontier for fast door slammer drag racing, I got goosebumps shocker. It just felt like good news for drag racing. Since then, Lyle Barnett and his father, Mark Barnett, have teamed up with Justin Elks at Modern Racing under the Elite, uh, Elite Motorsports umbrella to field a pro mod car here in 2021. He made his comp well, he did not. He made his competition debut at the U.S. Street Nationals in Bradenton. About a month later, returns to Florida for the Orlando, for our Orlando event. And I was just so happy to have him there just as a person. Like if he would have just hung out, I'd have been thrilled. But the fact that he was there racing in one of our marquee categories, marquee eliminators, was just, it was awesome. It, it was so cool to look into the stadium lanes and see him and the big beard. Uh, 
all strapped up to go to go to the big time, man, to compete for $50,000 against some of the best to ever do it. I just couldn't be happier for him, his family, uh, and all the companies and people that have supported him. Uh, obviously, uh, Elite Motorsports, Elite HP, um, uh, Mac Fab Wheels, Tommy Kirk and the gang, I know have been a huge part of this, of that transcendence, of that uh, upward trajectory for Lyle's racing career. And I'm so happy for him. If I truly believe if there's a person in our ranks right now that could get sponsored by a major company, could get picked up by a major brand, could, could earn the admiration of some of these, of corporate America and see some people want to get behind them. It's Lyle Barnett. The man deserves to be out here. He's racing with purpose. He's, he's spreading. It's an, it's an, don't get it twisted. Lyle's out here to win races. He's amongst the most competitive people I know. And he's reminded me of that a lot, but Lyle's serving a bigger purpose, man. He's out here inspiring people, helping people through hard times. He's been kind enough to, to clue me into some of the off the record conversations that, that he's had with people that are depressed. You know, 2020 was hard on a lot of people. We, I mean, there's no official studies on this. I actually watched a thing about it last night or two nights ago. I mean, I don't know that there's any concrete evidence that like suicide rates are at an all time high, but it, I believe that mental health is a problem more so now than it's ever been. And to have someone like Lyle out there just shining a light, being a beacon of hope, saying, hey, this is what it looks like when you get beat up and come back from it. Um, we need that, man. This, this is good for our world, right? Um, hell, I'm going to get emotional. It's good for our world. It's good that victories like that exist. People need to be reminded that it can happen, that you can come back, right? No matter how burnt up you get, no matter how beat up you get, you can come back from it. And I just think that Lyle, to have him in Orlando and then see him go to Gainesville, I just, I, I'm just blessed that I got to see it, that I've got to be an itty bitty bitty part of it. And I'm super happy for him. And I think that he's going to crush some souls in 2021. He's doing a great job behind the wheel. Incredible driver. This is a thing. Another one of these guys that are real deal race car drivers. And I, I'll watch all the videos you want. And you can throw up all the stuff you want about how anybody can do it. A monkey can do it. You can do it while eating Doritos, whatever. Maybe. But you can't do it well, right? And there are, maybe it could be said that anybody could drive one of these cars, but not anybody can do it well, right? Lyle Barnett can do it well, my friends. He, the control he has, throttle control. Uh, you notice this stuff in burnouts and it, when, you're, when the tires are in the water is when it really shows, right? When the tires are wet, things become pretty obvious, right? And this guy rolls out of the water box, gets that thing up there in its happy spot, brings it back a little bit. I mean, it's just... It's very, he's very good driver. And I'm super excited to see him uh, out here doing big things. But the debuts didn't end with J.R. Gray and Lyle Barnett. We also had Dallas Glenn making his debut in NHRA Pro Stock competition um, behind the wheel of a KB Racing Pro Stocker. And for me, this one was especially interesting because it's another one of those stories where a guy kind of gets, finally gets his shot. This is a dude that's burn his fingertips off, probably doesn't have fingerprints. He'd probably be great for a bank robbery. Working on clutches for as long as he can has been in the game, right? He's a guy that 
has worked on, on all the KB racing cars, car chief can fix them, can work on them, can tune them. And to see him have the opportunity to get behind the wheel and bang some gears and, and do a killer job of it. It's crazy to me, man. And it's just heartwarming. And these things have to happen folks in order for Dallas Glenn is the reason someone else becomes a mechanic. Think about this real quick. What if everybody that became a mechanic, right. Or that got into working on cars or followed kind of, let's call it this line of work, motorsports. What if, no one ever made it. What if there weren't any stories like this? And it was just, trust me, there are plenty of people that are happy as a clam working on race cars or whatever, but that it's important that that dream exists. And there's, there's guys, there's examples like Robert Height, another guy who crewed on a car and crewed on a car and crewed on a car and worked and traveled the country and put up awnings and loaded rugs and swept pit areas and did all this less than glamorous work. We eventually get to see Robert Height as a multi-time NHRA funny car world champion. Dallas Glenn, it's a similar story. This is a guy who's been beating up and down the highways and byways of America, chasing the dream, right? And it's a classic starter from the bottom. Now we're here, right? I want to play some Drake. I mean, it just is so exciting. And to see him do so well. Dallas jump behind the wheel of that car. I know he's got like 10,000 burnouts under his belt. He's kind of like the go-to tire scrubber um, uh, there at KB racing in Mooresville, North Carolina, give a huge shout out to that whole camp. Uh, they provided, not only did they bring Dallas's car and Greg Anderson's car, a multi-time world champion. It's still a struggle for me to wrap my head around the fact that Greg Anderson competed at an event we put on. Um, it's a guy I've looked up to my entire life. Uh, it's actually weird to say out loud, um, but they also, Kyle Koretsky, this kid is a stud son of Captain Chaos, Kenny Koretsky, multi, you know, uh, a second generation racer. It's just so exciting to see stories like this happen. And I just, man, I look at ProStock right now and ProMod, there's a lot of young blood. I mean, it wasn't but a couple of years ago where like, who's next or who's going to fill their shoes or whatever, like a George Jones song. But the shoes are being filled friends. We got them. We got drivers. We've got them. They're out there. Our sports in a good place. And also I want to say something about Jericho, Jericho Baldoff, um, making the, the big jump from PDRA pro boost competition to NHRA quarter mile, uh, pro mod competition comes down there with his fan favorite Chevelle racing with his family, his dad, uh, got Jeff Pierce, young gun out, out of Oklahoma tuning, that hot rod with a roots blower shows the diversity of a young tuner. Jeff Pierce going to take a little credit for the putting him in our 30 under 30 a couple of years ago. He's a member of our drag illustrated 30 under 30 alumni. Very proud of this kid. Been a big fan since I met him in like 2001 or two when he was a punk kid, just like me at Ozark international raceway down in Rogersville, Missouri, when he was working on his dad's race car, Dave Pierce back then it was a, a fourth gen Camaro with a nitrous motor in it. But, so diverse is this young man. He's jumped at opportunities to tune top flight championship winning nitrous cars, top flight record setting turbo cars. Um, I'm sure he's got some pro charger experience, uh, but he, and he also dived into this deal with Baldoff to, to tune their roots blown Chevelle. And it's just impressive, man. They've done a fantastic job. 
fantastic job, and I'm super happy for them. Dustin Nelsoni also made his debut uh, as part of the PJS. Brandon Pez and Jeff Jones, big operation out of Weatherford, Texas, came down and was part of that conglomerate. Impressive showing, massively impressive showing, and I just, I'm just excited that all that happened. Those are just the debuts that took place at the SeaTech World Door Slammer Nationals presented by JEGS that took place a couple of weeks ago at Orlando Speed World Dragway. So a couple other real quick moments before we, we, we move on down the road. Uh, this chip draw thing. If you didn't see it live on Flow Sports or in person, the humanity down on the starting line, all these smiling faces, all these fire suits, guys lined up and gals to find out who they're going to run. Um, the fact that we made the decision to carry the chip draw out to the final, it just added an element to it that drag racing needs. It, it created storylines. We were blessed with a slew of great draws. You never know how that stuff's going to go. Cause I mean, you have to, as much as, 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 as much excitement, excuse me, uh, as can be produced by a scenario like that, a chip draw. It's also, it could, it, it could kick you right in the butt, right? It could go all wrong. We could have had a scenario where, you know, TJ Coughlin and, or Erica Anders and Greg Anderson meet in round one. Now, granted, we'd have turned that into the story of the century. We'd have turned that into like the matchup of all time. And I was preparing for that because in my mind, I have always preached to our group that our goal always has to be that the first round of racing is as exciting or more so than the final round of any other drag race. Like that's, that's our mission statement. I want to make sure that it's lit when we start. I don't want to wait to the final for people to get fired up. I want the first round to be the, the moment. I want that first action, the first cars down the track. We can't wait till later in the day to get fired up. We can't wait till then to act like it matters. It matters right now, right? These guys are about to find out who they're going to race. Their cars are already in the staging lanes. You got to go up there loaded for bear. You can't go up there going, well, I drew so-and-so. We got him covered by eight. Eh, let's put a layup tune up. You can't do that. You got to go up there as if you're going to have to race the fastest car on the property. And it just creates this intensity and this electricity that I'm, I, again, I know I'm biased, but if you weren't there or you weren't watching online, you missed a moment. You missed a drag racing moment. And I encourage you, implore you to be a part of it in 2022 because it's only going to intensify. There are still tricks up our sleeve. There are still some things that we can do to, to pour a little more fuel on the fire. And I just am so happy with the way that deal turned out. Um, there in the semifinals, I was sweating a little bit. My wife's holding the Crown Royal bag. Shout out to Alicia. Lonnie Grimm put it together us uh, uh, straight out of no prep King Street Outlaws playbook Crown Royal bag with chips in it. Alicia's standing there holding the bag. And I've got two Quadra boys, Christian and Fernando Quadra Jr., Erica Enders and Greg Anderson. I got two fresh faces, two of the newest guys in the class and two of the best to ever do it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking around going, oh my God. If And, and I mean, I'm not doing this out in front of everybody because this is kind of like behind the scenes conversation, but I'm standing back going, oh my God. If Erica and Greg pull, draw each other now, like we, 
you know, we, we need, I need this. I want, I wanted to at least have the opportunity to have that final right now. Granted, we did we, we, we race, we put on races, bro. We, we're out here promoting drag races. So whatever would have happened, we'd have made the most of it. But I was just waiting. I was worried. I just, I'm just being honest, right? I was just a little worried that like, oh, this could play out a couple different ways. The good Lord blessed us. Greg draws Fernando Quadra Jr. Erica Enders draws Christian Quadra Jr. And we're off to the races, man. And I will argue till I'm blue in the face. That semifinal round matchup between Christian Quadra and Erica Enders, if it wasn't race of the year, it's damn close. It's in the conversation. We will, we will revisit it. I'm willing to revisit it. But as of March 24th, whatever I said today was 2021, it's my belief that that was the race of the year thus far. That was a drag race from, from line to line, wire to wire, welded together, uh, someone essentially coming out of nowhere to to thrust themselves into the conversation with the toughest team in one of the toughest teams in all of pro drag racing, inarguably the toughest team in pro stock drag racing, right? Elite Motorsports, that powerhouse camp out of Winniewood, Oklahoma. You go up against that red Camaro driven by the one with the eyelashes, the one driven by Erica Enders. You go up against that car and you, you cannot leave anything on the table. And I've talked about this before, how people fail to realize how different, how difficult it is to race from out front. It's like maintaining a lead in a basketball game. I've seen sports teams forever. They just play better from behind. They got to they gotta stay in it. They got to stay close. They got to be within striking distance. And if they're within striking distance, when there's a couple, two, three, four minutes left, they can win the game. But the team that's, if you're blowing someone out, how many times in sports history has a team went into halftime with a big lead only to lose the game? Innumerable, right? Because it's hard to race out front. It's hard to play from out front. You're getting everybody's best effort. You're getting this renewed energy. You're getting this renewed kind of pep in their step, if you will. And people like Erica Enders, Jed Coughlin, Greg Anderson, these world championship iconic racers, they face that all the time. They know that every time they put that thing in the beams, they're getting that guy's best effort. Like th that guy's never going to try harder, probably never going to have a better performance than right now. And to be honest, it can go, it can go the other way. Because I, I can't help but think back to the height of Outlaw 10-5 racing and Tim Lynch and Steve Petty. Those two, the Lynch mob as they were known back then, they won races before they even started the car. Because they were in people's heads. They had, they had such a decisive performance advantage at the time. They were so good. They were winning everywhere, setting every record. And you'd see guys constantly red light against them, knock the tires off, wreck roll through the beams, leave before the tree was activated, not be, I mean, you would see that happen. And, and when you're in Erica Enders or Greg Anderson, Jed Coughlin, and these, these iconic racers that people have been growing up watching that people have been cheering on for years or aspiring to be, you, you it can go both ways. You, you can get a little bit of luck. You can get someone to stumble and screw up against you, but you can also get someone to strap a double Oh one light on you. Like double E got right from Christian Quadra and just not have enough racetrack to run him back down. 
And I just, that moment there, the reaction of Tommy Lee, the crew chief, Frank Iaconio, Fernando Quadra, his wife, this, the, the outpouring of emotion, there's tears flowing. It was honestly, that was the, that was the end of the pro stock race, to be honest. Um, you know, from a promoter, you want to see him fight for it, you know, and I told them that I expect him to go up there and race. Um, we had talked about it. They had even pitched it to me about maybe just doing a, I, I asked them to go up there and race for it. I need you guys to go up there and race for it. Let the better man win. Um, unfortunately, they, the tra- they started to cool down. The sun went down. Track's getting tighter. They go up there, both shake the tires and idle down through there. Fernando Quadra Jr. turns on the wind light. Um, but that was a, the people who, let me say something. Let me tell you this. The Quadra boys won pro stock at the SeaTac World Door Slammer Nationals presented by Jags. That's what I wrote on the check. I didn't write Fernando Jr. I didn't write Christian. I wrote, I didn't write team. I wrote the Quadra boys on that check for $75,000. And I, that's who deserved it. That family, those two boys, the, the effort that they put into this, the passion that they have for drag racing, for pro stock drag racing, it is, it's exciting. And I'll tell you, this type of stuff's good for pro stock. It's good for drag racing. Of course, it's always great when your big name racers win. But man, when you can inspire people and show people what's possible, which is exactly what the Quadras did in Orlando, they showed people what was possible. That's more important. That's more valuable. That's thinking long term. That's the long game. That's the long play. And that's certainly what I'm here for. Uh, Going on to ProMod, we had another incredible uh, four rounds of racing. I, I, my gosh, incredible performances by a ton of racers. I was really proud of Jeff and Justin Jones. Those are two guys. Again, here I go making everybody my best friend, but two guys I'm just really happy to see have success. Brandon Pez, great group of people that live right down the road from me in Weatherford, Texas. We spend a lot of time together. Um, and I just was excited to see them perform so well. They'd spent the week testing and I, I knew they were, they were coming in with a chip on their shoulder with something to prove. And I was super happy for those guys. Um, and really just the pro charge deal, obviously we're going to have to talk about that here in a moment. Uh, but I just want to touch on this final round pro mod final round between Khaled Belushi, that Bahrain one Camaro t- tuned by Brad Personet, Brad Personet, longtime friend of drag illustrated Fody F O D I, as I like to call him. He's a great guy that we've been a huge fan of for a long time. This guy's been kicking ass and taking names for as long as we've been talking about drag racing. And that, performance out of Brad Personette, Khaled Belushi, that whole camp, teammate Justin Bond, everybody involved with that program. They had a whale of a weekend in Orlando. Khaled, let's be, let's call a spade a spade. It looked effortless. It looked like they were doing something different than everybody else. It literally, they were head and shoulders above better than everybody in Orlando. They were, they were doing a phenomenal job. They looked great. And they got the win that they deserved to get that, that final round. It was an incredible story that I felt brewing Alex Laughlin going to the final round for the second year in a row. What a cool thing. What a cool story that could have been even more interesting behind the wheel of a brand new elite HP sponsored 67 Ford Mustang built by Rick Jones fielded out of the modern racing, Justin Elks uh, elite motorsports conglomerate there in Mooresville, North Carolina car was basically untested prior to this had had some hub dyno time hadn't been really gone through at the racetrack gone through all the the motions and all the new car blues that you typically have to go through at the racetrack 
They come out swinging, make a couple of shakedown runs, dive right into what I would call competitive range. Ended up dipping into the 560s in the final round. Wasn't enough to get uh, around Kaladal Belushi, who took the win, but an incredible side-by-side 560s, man. I mean, to get that under the lights in Orlando Sunday evening, a little later than we wanted things to go, we did have a couple of oil downs, some stuff that cost us some time, um, some track prep. We just had some stuff that cost us some time, but we're getting better every time we do this. I tell people all the time, NHRA has gotten – 24 swings of the bat a year for seven decades, basically, right? A lot of these series, NMRA and NMCA, another series that I think is slept on as far as professionalism, organization, execution, Raleigh Miller, Steve Walcott, Mike Galemi, everybody involved with that outfit, they do an incredible job. And we're all, all of us, I believe, I don't mean to speak for everybody, but I think all of us that are independent event promotion promoters or single event promoters, we're all striving to get there. That's where we're trying to get to that really tight ship organized thing. We had way more cars, um, sportsman cars this year than we did last year, multiple new categories. We got done a little later than I wanted on Sunday night. I like to end that thing in the daylight hours and we will do that in 2022 without a shadow of a doubt, but I'm super proud of what we accomplished. I want to give a huge shout out again to my friends in the import racing world, their support as racers and fans is very much appreciated. Huge shout out to all of our racers, especially our winner, our winners, Fernando Quadra Jr., um, Khaled Al-Balushi, Wes Stefano in Pro 632, Shameless Racing stepped up huge to help us put on the biggest payout in the history of Pro 632, 15000 to win. Super proud of that. Along with CNC, uh, Chris Holdorf and his family stepped up to be a part of that as well. The Pro 632 show was off the hook. These guys delivered in spades for us. Excited to work with them again in the future. Derek Brown and top sportsman, another guy moving up the ranks, going quarter mile racing. Erica Enders winning Comp Eliminator, her first ever Comp Eliminator victory happening in Orlando. John Cerboni in Factory Shootout. Brian Oaks in our Stock Superstock Combat uh, Race. Stock Superstock Combo. Congratulations to all of you. Thank you so much for your support. Means the world to myself, all the companies that are involved with this deal, all the people that are involved with this deal, the gang in Orlando, Speed World Dragway. Thanks to everybody for for being a part of this and making my dream a reality. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens next because God only knows. It's exciting even for me. Who knows? I'm telling you guys, no, no BS. I'm blessed beyond measure because this race, the SeaTech World Door Slammer Nationals presented by Jags, this is something that was scribbled on a legal pad. This is stuff that I dreamed of. This is literally ideas and thoughts on napkins, on legal pads, on in notebooks, in spiral-bound notebooks. It, this is stuff that I've been dreaming about for years and years and years. And to finally have the opportunity to do it, to make those dreams a reality, I'm infinitely grateful for it. And again, I cannot wait to see what happens next. Um, moving into, let's talk about other current events, right? Let's talk. Uh, we've been talking for like 48 minutes. I'll go a while longer. We got a lot to cover. Um, I think the main thing, we're not going to be able to not talk about the NHRA's recent move with the pro charger cars. So this has been a conversation that's been going on really started last year, uh, but has apps, you know, without question, picked up steam in 2021 from early season testing to the U S street nationals to Orlando to some of the private test sessions that's been taking place to the games, to the NHRA Gator Nationals a couple weeks ago. The talk of town when it comes to fast door slammer racing has been all about 
a perceived advantage for the Pro Charger combinations. To bring you up to speed, right now there are a slew of different combinations in ProMod, more than ever before. We have two variations, technically, of the nitrous combination. We have a 905, 903 kind of cubic inch combination. We have a, a 960 plus cubic inch combination. We have Pro-charged Hemis out here, centrifugal supercharged Hemis, excuse me. We also have Roots-style supercharged Hemis out here, and we have twin-turbo Hemis out here right now. And unfortunately, we don't have hardly any twin-turbo cars, essentially none. Uh, but I, I just want to touch on this a little bit. ProMod, for those that don't know, this is not new. There's always someone that has an advantage or feels they have an advantage. There's always This is a conversation, a tug of war that has been going on since the class started, right? And for those of you that, 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 that don't appreciate it for what it is, maybe take a step back and look at it as the constant stirring stirring of the pot, if you will. These storylines are great for drag racing, great for drag racing fans. It obviously, you know, we can have a separate conversation about how it impacts pro level teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we will do that. But my point is just that these things have been going on for a long time, right? I mean, I remember when uh, there was a lot of wedge headed blower cars, Scotty Cannon gets a Hemi, whatever, everybody's up in arms. It's that, you know, they've got the advantage and they did. Uh, but I'm just trying to demonstrate that this isn't anything new, right? These these big debates and the Facebook wars about who's got the advantage and what's – this has been going on since the get-go, right? Since day one when it comes to fast door slammer drag racing. So don't get spun out about this, right? We always come back from it. Um, in case you don't know, pro-charge cars, qualify number one, kind of what I would say demonstrate a fairly – clear advantage, making really good runs really fast. Again, there's a whole conversation to be had about the air, right? Conditions. That is a whole thing that we didn't really get to experience. We didn't get to see what this, what the parody would look like, what things would look like if we take those cars into rough air, heat of the summer. Um, it would have been interesting to see, right? It really would have been interesting to see, but I, I understand is what I want to say. I don't want to put myself in a position to have a bunch of people upset, but I don't know that I, I think the NHRA felt they had to do something, right? I recognize that and I appreciate it. Do I think they did the right thing? No. Do I think they did it perfectly? No. Um, but I will tell you, it would seem to me that these pro charger cars are running really well. The thing that I hate to have seen done is hard part changes, small changes that are going to take a long time to recover from. This is, uh, in case you don't know, and I guess I should let everybody know what exactly happened. Um, I won't go into all the total nuts and bolts of it, okay? Um, but I will say that they basically slowed the blowers down. So they went from a 140 gear to a 120 gear, I believe, on the pro charger, on the, on the gear drive unit, right? So they're, they're bringing the total RPM of the blower down, therefore reducing the amount of boost it makes at what RPM it makes that boost and taking some power away from those cars. I mean, that long short of it is they took power away from those cars. I've made a lot of phone calls in the last couple of days. And I'll tell you that what I've learned is that 
no one was willing to give me, and I recognize, and I didn't mean to ask for it because I didn't want to get put on the spot here, but I had a lot of people tell me that this is, uh, and I'm going to use the exact words, several hundred horsepower. It's a, it's a, it's a real thing. This change, the people who've already been on the dyno, they're out there. There's a lot of them. See that, you know, shining sea. It's a, it's a significant power change, right? And so the problem that I have with that, let me preface this by saying, I understand what NHRA is trying to do, and I understand why they want to do it totally, completely. And I honestly think there's a very valid argument that could be made for it, right? The thing that I hate is how severe and complicated this type of change is. Because when you do something like this and you change the operating RPMs, you you take so many things that have been fleshed out over the course of the last couple of years, because you got to remember ProLine, let's point to Eric Dillard, Steve Petty, um, Doug and the gang down there at ProLine Racing Engines in Ballground, Georgia. They're really the ones who've been driving the bus initially on this ProCharger combination. They've been pushing it for years. They pushed it into radial uh, tire racing. They pushed it into uh, PDRA Pro Boost competition. They were pushing that. They were driving the bus on almost all of that. So they've spent the last couple of years. Elite Motorsports joins the party alongside Modern Racing, Justin Elks and company. They come out with two, three cars. There's a lot of people pushing or pulling that that combination forward, right? I think that's more fair because it's heavy, right? I mean, you're pull, it's hard. They, they've worked hard. They've tested endlessly. They've tried all sorts of torque converters, tried all sorts of gear ratios, tried all sorts of stuff, right? And I hate to see all of that effort just instantaneously negated. And that's what's happened. I mean, you're going to see race teams. Who this is really going to hurt is not ProLine, is not Elite Motorsports. In my opinion, who this hurts is like Clint Satterfield, right? A guy who has a business, um, who has a single crew member, Bob Gardner, Blower Bob, as he is well-known and, and loved. I see this personally about, my personal opinion is just these, the smaller teams who haven't caught up to the bigger teams, this is going to hurt them more than anybody, right? Because ProLine, Elite Motorsports, they're going to, they're, they've already bought the blower stuff. They've already got gear ratios for transmissions. They've already got rear gear. They've, They've already got staters. They've already, they'll buy that stuff. They're not afraid of that at all. Are they happy about it? No, but they have access to that stuff. They're resourced. They can test Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're not trying to run a business or do something else through the week. All they do is race. So they can go flesh this stuff out, right? And I hate to see all that negated because I do believe it could be argued with the Pro Charger cars at 2,615 pounds, like hang some weight on them. Like my belief truly is that they could have put a hundred pounds on those cars. You're still well within SFI spec. The chassis, the SFI chassis, chassis spec on those cars is to 2,800 pounds. So NHRA could, in my opinion, safely put those cars and you have to safely, right? I mean, that's something that you almost are always saying tongue in cheek at this level, but in theory, you could take those cars, put a hundred pounds on them and see what happens. Maybe in a month, maybe two races down the road, you find out that's too much and you, you, you shave 25 back off of them. That's just a lot more. It costs no one anything. And I promise you some of these cars that are coming out of shops right now, if they had a hundred pounds of ballast to move around, they wouldn't be all against it. Right. It, it wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be as 
such a punch to the stomach that I believe this will be. Is there any doubt that racers won't overcome it? Absolutely. No, there's not. Racers going to race. Cream's going to rise to the top. The guys who are good are always going to be the guys who are good. But from what I understand, if you were to take a, if you take Jose Gonzalez's car, this is my understanding. If you take Jose Gonzalez's car right now, as it was running 560s, bottom 560s in Gainesville, and you simply change it from a 140 gear on the blower to a 120 gear on the blower, that car doesn't qualify, period. That car is no longer competitive. That car is out of contention. That's, that's how significant this is, right? Because there's more to it. I mean, I'm, I understand we're going to change gear ratios. We're going to change converters. We're going we're gonna to do all these things to try to get it happy. But there's some limitations to this stuff that is, I, I believe, kind of different and, and unique to the combination. Um, most of these guys are turning these engines, these Hemis with the Pro Chargers on them, 9,200 RPM, right? 9,200 RPM. So they turn the motor 9,200 RPM to get the blower to 72,000 RPM, which Pro Charger says is max RPM for that blower. Like that's the end of the safe zone or whatever. They, you go over that RPM level on the blower, 72,000 RPM, and you start blowing them up and tearing, tearing stuff up. There are rumors that that is some of the performance disparity. Like that's some of the scuttlebutt, like word on the street is that there are some teams that are willing to spend this thing a little further. Because from what I understand, going back to people that have track experience, dyno experience, real hard data, the power gains from turning the engine 9,200 to 94 are significant. And then the power gains from 9,400 to 9,500 are significant. So that, that RPM there, that's kind of a, uh, that's kind of taste or tolerance. That's like how far you're willing to stick your neck out right? You get back down here in this 9,200 range, 9,200 RPM engine RPM range, 72,000 max RPM on the blower. Again, we use this word safe tongue in cheek, but that's kind of like a reliable zone, a reliable window, right? You can go beyond that, but it's totally up to personal preference, right? And I'm sure there are some of these people, you know, at these companies that I'm talking about that would never encourage people to go beyond the limits that they have stated for these products. My point though, is that now going from a 140 to a 120 gear ratio on these blowers to achieve 72,000 RPM of blower speed, you would have to turn the motor like 10, seven. Does it make sense? It's pretty interesting, right? In order to achieve 72,000 RPM blower speed with the 120 gear, you're going to have to turn the motor 10-7. Well, I mean, at the last race, they're turning them 9,200. That ain't happening. Nobody's going to do that. That's not, that's not possible. So you've got to find other ways. And it's going to be difficult. Will they be right back in contention? My argument is more than likely. But I think these guys have a lot of work to do. I think it's going to be harder on the smaller, lesser funded teams than it ever would be on cars that have Bahrain on the side of them, foreign countries, cars that have elite motorsports on the side of them, cars that, you know, have pro line on the side of them. These are, these are hard to overcome changes. And thank God they did it 
at a time where people are going to be able to have a little over a month to get ready. But think about it. I just said ProLine, Elite Motorsports, a lot of these groups, they spent two years developing this product or this, this package, this program. Now they're going to be expected to reinvent it inside of 35, 40 days. Uphill battle for these guys. I believe I'm confident they'll get it done. Uh, I, I understand the reasoning for it. I certainly do. But I, I think uh, it's going to be interesting. And I just hate to see how it may potentially affect some of these smaller teams that don't have the resources to test all the time, test through the week, test every week if they so chose. So it's an interesting thing. And I think it's been fun more so than anything else. What I see as an upside for this is just everybody's talking about it. That's what we need is just stuff that gets everybody talking. And man, this Pro Charger deal has done exactly that. It's gotten everybody talking. Phones are ringing. Message boards are blowing up. Facebook's blowing up. And I just think I hate it for the money that's going to have to be spent and the effort and whatnot. But we all know that's part of the games. That's part of the game out here. Rules change. Pro Mod, it's no secret that the rules can change on a dime. Call Ricky Smith, ask him about it. Call Steve Petty, ask him about it. This isn't their first rodeo. I'm going to tell you a couple things, however, that I find interesting is that these cars pick up a lot in a hurry. And my, my, my best buddy and my partner in crime here at Drag Illustrated Magazine, Mike Carpenter, and I talk about this a lot. The, the evolution of these things, of door slammer racing, these different power adders, these disc, different combinations, and where they're at, like in their life cycle, where they're at in terms of like maturity. And for instance, I think it's safe to say that the roots blown Hemi Pro Mod car with a converter and automatic style transmission is pretty fleshed out. I mean, it's well, obviously I'm sure there's room for improvement. There's incremental gains to be had, but that deal has been raced, raced hard, raced by the best in the world. The gains from here on out, are, I, I would like to believe, and, and history tells us are probably few and far between. We've seen it with the turbos. We've seen it different times where they take boost away from the turbos and within a race, they're faster than they were with more boost, right? There's no guarantee that that will be the same situation here. I'm not at all surprised, or I would not, excuse me, be at all surprised to see one of these top tier teams that I was just talking about, Elite Motorsports, ProLine, whatever. I wouldn't be surprised to hear some numbers come out of testing in the next couple of weeks where they're right back. Maybe not bottom 560s, but in the hunt again. I don't know if they'll get it done that quick. My guess is that they will. Atlanta, I'll tell you, this is a great segue. The NHRA Southern Nationals and Atlanta Dragway will likely be one you don't want to miss. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's interesting the amount of time between these races, uh, specifically for my Pro Mod guys, for them to have a month and a half off. I think it's going to be pretty cool. The fact that it's unfortunately going to be the last race, the last big NHRA national event at Atlanta Dragway is weird. That's obviously uh, been a huge topic the last few days. The, the, the news, unofficial news that it would appear Atlanta Dragway has been sold. I know that early on as news of this proposed sale was happening, there was a lot of talk about how NHRA was committed and everybody involved was committed to keeping this event as a, or excuse me, keeping this facility as a racing facility. I think all of us, anybody that's paying attention likely knew that that was going to be tough, that this whole situation was screaming housing development. I hate it. 
it's uh, a backbreaker to be totally honest to think about these things where these tracks that have had so much history that are in it's such a densely populated part of the country such an important market that atlanta market just real bummer to be honest to think about that facility being closed or shuttered or turned into a housing development or a strip mall or whatever it's going to end up being and i think the writing's been on the wall i've personally felt like atlanta dragway was kind of under i don't know that it was getting the care and attention it deserved from the NHRA. Not, not, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying it, it certainly wasn't like the tip of the spear or, or a high priority for the organization as a whole. And I just know I'm excited to go. I think with this, all this ProMod stuff, um, I believe Mountain Motor Pro Stock's also on the schedule at the forthcoming NHRA Southern National. So it's going to be a fun one, man. I'm looking forward to going down there. I'm trying to convince Alicia to go with me right now. I don't know if we can get childcare. Um, but I'm, uh, it's not canceled. It's just the, be, be the last event that they've, I mean, the last NHRA Southern nationals. So I'm looking forward to heading down to Atlanta. It'd be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, the wife, will come with me and we can kind of make it. I like to go out and do stuff, eat dinner, go somewhere nice, stay at a cool hotel. That's what I want to do. So anyways, crazy deal. Who knows what's going to happen with the NHRA and their schedule on the other side of this. I know there's rumors floating around Tulsa Raceway Park, uh, Todd Martin and Keith Haney's haunt up there, Osage Casino Raceway Park in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's been a lot of talk about a national event landing there. That's been going on since last winter. Uh, A lot of scuttlebutt regarding that. There's also been talk of a national event maybe arriving at South Georgia Motorsports Park in Georgia. Uh, there's been talk of punk. There's a lot to talk and who knows what exactly is going to happen. I do anticipate the NHRA trying to fill that hole, trying to fill that spot for 2022 and beyond. I did see, and I've been preaching this for freaking years, but I really do hope they consider some sort of lottery system or some sort of rotation. I look at it kind of like the Super Bowl. Um, these facilities find way to find ways to pay their bills and, and grow and do the things that they're doing with the hopes of eventually getting a Super Bowl, getting a Pro Bowl, getting some sort of major event, right? And I don't think it would be bad for there to be, especially if it was coupled with the NHRA reducing their schedule as a whole, but that's another conversation for another day. I just think it's important to note. It wouldn't be a bad thing to create a lottery system or to create some sort of rotation where X amount of tracks are put into the national event lottery for the NHRA and they draw out and you find out when you're going to get a national event a year in advance or two years in advance, something uh, they could, they could do, they could, there's content to be created around it. You could do literally like an NBA draft lottery. You could create a show that was completely around which track, which community, which market in the United States is going to get blessed with the NHRA's traveling circus coming to town, have the little basket thingy, the basket circle deal that you twist and pull. Be so cool. It could be done. Or you could do all that behind closed doors, know where it's going to happen, but just wait to make news about it. Maybe notify the track, let them know so they can start to get their ducks in a row, get everything organized, and then you announce it to the world at a later date. But nonetheless, I do think that lottery thing that has been thrown around a little bit in the media and other you know water cooler conversations, I think it's important to consider that as an option. But again, I don't want to labor over it, but it's a bummer to think about Atlanta Dragway going away. I know there's, I have some fond memories there. 
Uh, I remember going to my second Orska Outlaw Racing Streetcar Association race. We did a photo shoot with Darren Hoyle, who was like the man to beat in true 10, in limited street at that time. And I just um, have some fond memories of that facility, have some rough memories of that facility. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a night of ProMod qualifying where Stephen Whiteley had a, an incident on the top end, walked away. Danny Rowe had an incident on the top end, walked away. Some sketchy stuff. And, uh, but nonetheless, going to Atlanta is something that I always look forward to every year. The NHRA Southern Nationals are one of those iconic events on the schedule. I hope they're able to find a home for that event that makes sense, that's able to add to the legend and not have people constantly wishing for yesteryear. So moving on, I do want to touch briefly and really just give a shout out to Bo Butner, Randy Linship, everybody involved with the Southern Sportsman shootout that took place at South Georgia Motorsports Park last weekend. I have yet to hear anything negative about this race. Literally, that's so rare. So rare. I've heard so much positivity about this from Bo and Randy Lynn's just welcoming nature. These are some of the sweetest people that exist on this planet. And that extended, obviously, to their events. They put on this race, wel- welcomed people in, fed them, treat them treated them well. When, when the forecast w- was looking bad, they decide to stack the purse. Instead of scrapping a day and saving some money, they double down stuff that racers never, ever, ever forget, man. They're handing out donuts and orange juice in the mornings. All those little things that go so far with racers. And I honestly think that they're onto something, man. I've spoken to them many times. It feels like there's just some energy out here in drag racing right now. And it's, it exists amongst a lot of these independent events. And I'm just super happy for them. I'm proud of them for sticking their neck out, for doing what they said they were going to do. I know Jason Line and Dave Connolly were also heavily involved with it. And I just tip my cap to all of them, thank them for their contribution to the sport of drag racing, putting money back in the pockets of racers. That's what needs to happen. And I, I got some of my first, what do you say, like front and center involvement with Stock Superstock. Obviously been a fan since forever, right? My dad was always a big fan, watched it growing up, watched it when we went to national events and so on and so forth. It kind of became, when I was a kid, it was like a thing to get a stalker or a super stalker. That was something that we, we, we aspired to do. These guys deserve this. These guys have incredible equipment, first class race cars, fast race cars. They're buttoned up. They're, they're, I understand that they're considered sportsman racers, but it's, it's kind of sitting in their face because these guys are people who have it together. They, they, their stuff doesn't leak. It starts. They have a program. They're in the lanes. They're organized. They know what they're doing. They've got nice rigs. That's something that people sleep on in the promotion world is how much rigs add to your event. If you can't generate like one of those drone shots where there's rows and rows and rows of trucks and trailers and all this stuff, you need to be able, what I'm saying is that's important. You need to be able to have all those, all this machinery for people to walk around and kind of be in awe of stock, super stock that exists, man. I roll down through there is toter homes, stackers left and right, man. These guys race at a high level. It's unfortunate that they're considered sportsman racing. I understand why that's the case and I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm just saying, I like to see these guys get paid. I like to see these guys be the center of attention. I like to see these guys get to be part of the show, run their final when everybody else runs their final. I just, that's important. They deserve it. And I'm glad to see them get it. And kudos to, again, Bo Butner, Randy Lynn, Ship, 
Dave Connolly, Jason Line, everybody that was involved with that program. I know the list goes on and I'm leaving a lot of people out, but that whole camp deserves a ton of credit. I think they're just getting started. I think they've got a lot that they want to accomplish, a lot that they want to do for sportsman racers, man. And I'm just super excited about it, to be honest, and hope that there's an opportunity for me to be involved at some point. So what else is there? I mean, what other current events do we have? Oh my goodness. Midwest drag racing series had their season opener, Keith Haney and the gang, Alan Eschenbacher and everybody involved with that program rolled into extreme raceway park over the weekend and put on a hell of a show, man. Clyde Scott and the gang down there, they have a phenomenal facility that I just can't tell you enough about. I've done almost entire episodes dedicated to this facility, but it is amongst the real gem gems of drag strips throughout our entire country. It's in, it's the ultimate Saturday night drag strip, the ultimate, so much concrete. It's, it, it's terrifying. The amount of concrete here, the parking, the pits, the track, the tower, a one from top to bottom and the Midwest drag racing series rolled in there with their pro mod show, top alcohol show and put on burn the place down. I think the high spot around the world that I've heard was the Mav TV broadcast. This was a big news item. Keith Haney sent out his for immediate re- release press release, just as we could all expect a couple of weeks ago, announcing that Mav TV would be providing a streaming service uh, that, that featured the Midwest Drag Racing Series. News also broke that that content would be cut down and turned into a fully produced TV show on Mav TV. And I got to tell you, when I saw the photos start to circulate on social media of that Mav truck and trailer, it was like a legit 53-foot semi. I got excited. And I got excited for what it meant for an independent, a smaller, a smaller facility, a smaller series, a regional series. This is a huge move, huge move for them. And I think anybody who watched was impressed by the quality, the switching, the camera angles, Whoever was running the switch uh, in their control center in their production room was doing a fantastic job. I I loved, again, the angles they were getting. Chad Reynolds and my man, Al Tucci, the the man, the myth, the legend, the voice of outlaw drag racing, in my opinion, the voice of door slammer drag racing, in my opinion, crushed it on the mic. For those that don't know, we also had Al Tucci and Joe um, Costello on the horn at uh, the SeaTech World Door Slammer Nationals in Orlando. They're a huge part of our family and they will be forever. But I digress. Incredible performance from Mav TV. I've got to say, I tip my cap to Brandon Bernstein, everybody, Tom Bogner, everybody that I know that's involved with the Lucas Oil, um, Bob Pattis, everybody that's involved from Forrest and Charlotte and Morgan Lucas, they should be proud. That was an incredible debut in in that in the drag racing space or whatever and it looks to me like you guys got it going on it looks to me like that's a a really incredible thing that's going to add a ton of value to the midwest drag racing series and i think uh keith haney's got a a real incredible thing going on right now i really do i think he's got something to be very 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 proud of i'm sure the people from summit jna service everybody else i know he's got a lot of sponsors involved with that series i'm sure anybody that was able to log on for free take in that type of content, take in that racing was impressed and very excited about the future. So kudos to those guys. I think it was uh, a home run by all accounts. I hate that I missed it. I don't think the Midwest drag racing series comes back 
to my neck of the woods until October. I believe it's like the set 22nd of October that they return for their world final. I think it's their world finals. One of their last races, it goes on in late October down here at XRP. But I do intend to make my way over to their next stop at No, Pro no Problem Raceway in Bell Rose, Louisiana. I've actually never been to that track. I want to go over there. I've never spent really any time in Louisiana whatsoever. So I'm going to make an, a, a strong attempt to go be a part of that one and, and take in the sights and sounds of a Midwest Drag Racing Series event. I got a couple more um, current events. Current events. Oh, this is kind of sad. I blew over the NHRA Gator Nationals. Not fair. First time in about 15 years that I didn't make it to the Gator Nationals. Um, I was honestly just exhausted from, from the World Door Slammer Nationals in Orlando. And I thought the best decision for me was to spend a little bit of time at home with my family, rest up, get recuperated for the rest of 2021. So I took the weekend off, but I didn't uh, miss a minute of the action from the NHRA national event in Gainesville. The, the legendary East coast opener had more, I think more pop, more, what's the word, more electricity than maybe ever because of the fact it started the NHRA season. So weird not to have Pomona, Phoenix, Las Vegas, so odd, but I do think the NHRA made lemonade uh, out of the deal, right? I mean, made lemonade out of lemons. It was an incredible show. The place was packed full of people. I can't tell you guys, every time I see a photo of Gainesville and I see both those grandstands just slam packed in that beautiful tower with all the glass and the giant, giant alligator, it makes me proud to be a part, a part of drag racing. I think as a group, again, we've talked about this before, but we don't maybe fully appreciate, fully recognize what the sport means, our footprint, right? I think sometimes we play small. We think that we're small potatoes. We're small potatoes compared to NASCAR. We're small potatoes compared to IndyCar. We're small compared, com uh, excuse me, potatoes compared to Formula One, whatever, monster truck. Man, drag racing is a big deal. NHRA drag racing is a really big deal. And anytime you can bring that many human beings to one location during a global pandemic, put on a safe, happy, badass show like that, it is a, if you don't feel a sense of victory, you should. Huge victory for the sport of drag racing, huge victory for the NHRA, huge victory for racers, for manufacturers, everybody involved with this space. The Gator Nationals was off the hook. Even watching it on NHRA.TV, I was beside myself. The racing that was going on, the numbers that I was seeing, the upsets, the action, holy crap. Had some scary moments, a scary moment with uh, Jasmine Salinas. I was glad to see her walk away from that really, really, really scary incident. Of course, Brandon Pez and Dustin Nelsoni, very fortunate to see them walk away from a very scary top-end incident. Um, but I do want to talk about the TV ratings. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to log on to dragillustrated.com. Our senior editor, Josh Hatchett, put together an absolutely spectacular op-ed on the NHRA's TV ratings from Gainesville. The NHRA uh, Fox broadcast, which was on Big Fox uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, live for a majority of it, enjoyed amongst the highest ratings ever on Fox. I believe the third highest rating in the history of drag racing on Fox. Incredible. Just shy of 2 million view viewers, like 1.86 million viewers at its peak. And again, I ask all of you guys to like, let's take, let's have a moment of silence. Should we, shall we like take us, take a step back, sit down. 
Two million people were watching a drag race on Sunday. Not 2,000, not 20,000, not 200,000, 2 million, right? And tell me about the NHRA struggles. Tell me about it again. Dying, it's over with, nobody cares. Remember, everybody cares. It's the big show. It's, it's incredible what they're achieving, man. And 2 million viewers, that's a big freaking deal. I mean, think about this. And I've got some notes here because there's a lot of numbers and it's important that I get them right. But you have to consider that the race ran over, right? So we're butted up against a NASCAR event, which is great news. And that's going to happen a lot in 2021 from what I understand. I also think we have some NFL lead-ins, which could even be bigger for the sport of drag racing than this. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that the NHRA overrun, that 10 minutes that rolled over on top of what would have been the NASCAR broadcast, that final round between J.R. Todd um, or those final rounds with J.R. Todd and Josh Hart, it could be argued potentially that those were the most viewed runs in the history of drag racing. It's possible with that 10 minute overrun into the NASCAR show. It's within the realm of reason that we exceeded 2 million viewers. Now that wasn't part of the PR uh, that Fox sent out, but what a, what a, what a victory for the sport of drag racing. Think about the fact that up 27% over last year's average, that 1.86 million viewers, nearly 2 million viewers, the best performance for drag racing on Fox since 2017, not November, December of 2017, February of 2017. Best performance since February 2017. Third best performance all time for for NHRA. And you think about a couple million people watched Matt Smith crush another 200 mile per hour run. Shout out to Matt Smith, Andrew Smith and the, the Denzo Racing Gang, some dear friends of ours. You get to see legend Greg Anderson win for the 95th time on his birthday, no less. What a hell of a birthday present. And J.R. Todd go full, full wheelman in a pedal fest win against Robert Height, two of the biggest stars in nitro racing. And, of course, watch Josh Hart win his first ever race in Top Fuel in his first ever race in Top Fuel. Two million people got to see that. What? I just thank God for it. Let's just... Thanks for putting that on TV when 2 million people were watching. Am I wrong? Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for putting that on TV when 2 million people are watching. Because if that doesn't impact our, our business moving forward, if that doesn't impact ratings moving forward, I will be shocked. That's the type of show that we've got to put in front of people. I know everybody likes to talk about 330 miles an hour and crazy ETs and whatnot, but a funny car pedal fest is hard to beat. Very hard to beat. The replays, the the the, the delayed uh, gratification, it's fantastic. And for that to have been the final round between J.R. Todd um, and, and Robert Height, for that to be the final, holy crap. You can't ask for any better than that. And, and Josh Hart, I mean, leaving on all these guys, all these pros, all these young studs, just incredible performance. And I I hope the NHRA is as proud of that moment, the racers involved, the fans that participated, all the people at Fox. I've gotten to meet some of those people, the people that are busting their butt, lifting the booms up and down, working day and night. These people work in really tough conditions. 
they put on a hell of a show and they were re- rewarded with uh, rewarded for it. And I'm happy for them, man. Um, I'm happy for them, uh, proud of them, aspire to be them. It's incredible, man. The show that they put on in Gainesville, uh, I think was a, a really impressive outing for the NHRA and to have that kind of following on TV and that kind of live event crowd is just really special. Really, really, really special. So a couple more things and I'm going to do a little bit of Q and a, uh, for me, I'm going to just kind of close the show from here on out with what I'm doing this coming weekend. I'm super excited to roll out to the legendary Texas motorplex and take in the sights and sounds of funny car chaos Chris Graves' crazy big production that's coming up this weekend. If you're in the area, I encourage you to go out there, be a part of it. I'm going to go out Friday and Saturday, spend as much time out there as I can. I'm super excited. Over 64 Nitro Funny Cars, over 64 floppers uh, going to battle this weekend in Ennis, Texas. It's kind of hard to believe. It's For me personally, it's a big deal, and I'll tell you why. Okay, I'll tell you a bunch of reasons. But let's start this. First off, I've known Chris Graves for a long time since he was crewing on one of the Creasy's funny cars at IHRA races. So he could get his travel to the track taken care of so he could take photos for people like me and drag illustrated magazine. We've been buying photos and working with guys like Chris Graves since 2006. Uh, Well, actually the fall of 2005, technically um, I met Chris for the first time at San Antonio raceway in the spring of 2006 during the IHRA national event very famous IHRA national event, a national event where I believe for the first time and only time in history, they changed the format of the race from quarter mile to eighth mile midway through. They had some track issues with the downforce of the funny cars that were being brought back into the fold with IHRA's Nitro Jam at the time. We're tearing up the track on the big end, so they decided to repave it overnight. Maybe not a great decision. They end up switching the race to eighth mile. Kind of a hilarious story looking back, but I met Chris Graves in the pits that weekend and I knew that I liked him. I knew he was a great kid and I was excited to work with him in the future. He's actually pretty close to me in age. I don't know why I call everybody a kid, but to see what he's become, he, he quickly became one of the most well-known drag racing photographers in the game, primarily because of his willingness to put his material out there. Maxcackle.com. He bought a website. He had all of his galleries online. He was organized. All of his photos were labeled. I could call Chris up and tell him the name of some obscure no time racer. No, I give you an example. I remember calling him. We were doing a story way back when at the height of Texas King of the Hill and like the hot rod gossip.com message board was a big deal. And there was all these 10 inch tire shootouts going on in Texas. And I remember calling Chris Graves. I can't remember who it was, but I mentioned the name. It was a blue like Chevy two nitrous car that ran Texas King of the Hill, whatever. I remember asking Chris, hey, do you have any pictures of this car? Uh, I need it for a story. And he literally sent me a link and it was like 10 pages of photos of that car and that driver over the years. It was like the ultimate resource. He was way ahead of his time with organization. That's the type of stuff that you see from guys like Mark Rebelis nowadays. Guys like the, that's the stuff you see from Rick Belden, um, our director of photography at Drag Illustrated. That's a high level thing because it's one thing to like get that's something you see from Richard shoot the guys at auto imagery um, Roger Richards like guys that have been in the game a long time and they understand that their their role goes far beyond taking photos right you take photos but organizing those photos and having them accessible 
or at least accessible to the photographer so that if there's a request, it can be fulfilled. That type of organization is by and large slept on in drag racing. There's not a lot of photographers that do it. Chris was way ahead of the game, man. And to see Chris Graves go from crewing on cars and, and sleeping and sharing hotel rooms and everything else, shooting photos, to see him go from that, not that there's wrong with any, anything wrong with those things. I did those things. I still do those things sometimes, and I love doing those things. But to see him go from that, very humble beginnings, to being a very successful race promoter, putting on what I believe to be a, a defining moment for him, a defining event in our industry, a defining moment for funny car racing. It's a big deal, guys. Funny Car Chaos, this deal that's happening this weekend at the Motorplex, this is a happening. I talked earlier in the show about drag racing moments. This is one. I encourage you to go. I look forward to seeing you if you're there. Um, I'm going to burn over there. I'm going to try to get my little boy Max to go with me on Friday night, maybe go solo on Saturday. I'm not totally sure. But if you're there, hit me up. Shoot me a message on social media. Shoot me a message on Facebook. Always, you can email me, Wes at dragillustrated.com. If you're going to be there, I'd love to know. it. Maybe we can shoot the breeze, talk a little bit of drag racing. And uh, yeah, until next time, right? Five minutes of Q&A here real quick. Um, let me know what you got and I'll answer any questions. Maybe you don't have any, but uh, appreciate all the participation today. Thank you guys so much. Feels good to get back in the saddle, talk a little bit of drag racing with you guys. Remember this stuff's important. We got to be talking about this stuff. We got to keep everybody, we got to keep people fired up. I've said it a lot, maybe a million times, but we can't let the conversation end on Sunday night or Saturday night. We got to keep people talking about racing through the week. And if this is drag racing's water cooler, I'm pretty damn proud of it. I love coming here, talking shop with you guys, seeing what, what resonates with people, what topics, what people, what subjects matter to you all. We love to hear from you. If you have a concept, if you have an idea, if there's something that you want to talk about, please, by all means, shoot me a message. I love getting emails. It's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me, Wes at dragillustrated.com. Uh, so long as I get it, I'll reply. So hit me up. Um, we'd love to hear from you. If there's something that you want me to talk about, on the show, or if there's a subject you want us to dissect, maybe it'll take us a little bit of time. Maybe I'll have to get Josh and Nate, our editorial team, to dive into it a little bit with me to give me some background, but so we can present to you good information. But if you've got something that you want to talk about, I'd love to hear it. So let's do uh, a little bit uh, of Q and A here. Um, boom, boom, boom. RPM Act, Scott Klinger, great topic. I would say that this has a lot to do um, with really just great people in SEMA. I think that people like Kyle Fickler, um, he's probably best known for his time at Aeromotive. He was also a huge part of uh, weld racing for a long time. Most recently, he's uh, working with Driven Racing Oils. Uh, great guy, great ambassador for the sport of drag racing. And I think when you get people like him, Steve Walcott, James Lawrence, like real enthusiasts, real hardcore people involved with SEMA, stuff like this happens, right? And I think we're trying to keep everybody pumped up and keep everybody talking about this RPM Act. It's an absolute, we mustn't la allow the government to take away our right to tinker on cars. It is in my belief, and I'm going to be biased about drag racing, but I've said it a million times, drag racing is the great American motorsport. That's what people came home from World War II to do. Men died in World War II, fought to defend the freedom that we enjoy in this country, they came home from World War II and they went drag racing. They bought fast cars, they souped them up. That's what they did. 
And I will be damned if anybody tries to take that away from us, our right to do it. I, I, we will not have it. This group of people will not have it. I mean, people joke about taking, you try to take our opportunity or our, our ability to spin tires, drive fast, do burnouts, tinker on our hot rods. You try to take that away from us. You're going to have a problem on your hands, friend. So, so reach out, speak out, be loud, be proud, be a car guy, be okay with being a car guy, right? It's a great thing. There's no greater community in the world than that of the car community. Interesting story. I sold my ZL, my Z06 Corvette a couple weeks ago, right? My, my turbo car. Love this car. Had it for many years. Got it back from Ron Moen and the gang at Vengeance Racing. This thing is a tire frying nightmare. I, sh- I, I joke you not. This thing will literally annihilate the tires like you're on ice at 80 miles an hour. Like it's hilarious. Makes a little over a thousand to the tire. Fun car. Anyways, had an opportunity to sell it. Great guy, Brian Landfried, uh, out of the greater Atlanta area, wanted the car, saw it at Ron's shop, worked for what he was trying to do, made sense for what I was trying to do, sold the car to him. I had it shipped down there. A friend of mine, Larry, right? My buddy, Larry, uh, hauled it down there for me. He's got to do, he does this hot shot kind of delivery stuff, hauled it to vengeance back to Ron Moen's shop in outside Atlanta. And along the way broke down. Bummer of a deal, gets broke down on the side of the road in his dually. Guess what? A hot rod, car, he goes to a dealership. They tell him it's going to take like three days. And I'm not bagging dealerships, but just bear with me for the sake of the story. They tell him it's going to be like 865 bucks for the sensor for his truck. And it's going to be three days before they can get it, right? He calls one of his hot rod car buddies, a drag racer that he knew that he had shipped the car for or hauled a car for. Guess what happened? Guy met him on the side of the road, brought him the sensor that he needed, installed it, and sent him packing in an hour for nothing. That's what drag racers are. That's what car people are. That's what car people do. And I think it's awesome. And I think it's a tragedy that anybody would identify this community, this hobby, this sport as something that's problematic to our country, to our environment, or anything else, right? It's an absolute tragedy. So, I encourage you, be loud, be proud, reach out to your congressmen, talk to your state representatives, send emails, don't be bashful, ring their phones, because I think we can get them on their on, an, on our side. I noticed there's been a lot of kind of influencers in our industry that have been very vocal about it lately. I appreciate that effort. We're, we intend to jump on that bandwagon in uh, on the pages of Drag Illustrated Magazine, on dragillustrated.com, of course, here on my show. Uh, but great question, and I appreciate it, Scott. What else do we got? Other questions. Great life. See you at the Southern Nationals. Adam Dobbs, see you at the Southern Nationals, brother. Keith, hey, what's up, dude? Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Um, uh, so excited to have you down in Orlando, spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, Brian Flanagan, World Series of Pro Mod this year. No, sir. Um, we our intentions right now are to do something this summer in uh, Denver. I'm working with Sporty Bandemir and the gang to figure out exactly what that's going to be. They have a crazy big event going on uh, the second week in August, uh, to the best of my knowledge, Mayhem on the Mountain, which was part of our program with the World Series of Pro Mod that's going to carry the tradition on. Love to be a part of it. Working on the details right now. I'll keep you posted. Warren Anderson, thanks for thank you, Warren Anderson, for watching this stuff. Again, you guys got to share it. You got to click like. You, you got to support this and make sure that we get drag racing content in front of as many people as possible. So, Warren, thank you. Click share. 
um, it means a lot to us. Funny Car Chaos, is it new and old funny cars? Will it be live streamed? Jeremy Sather, Sathry, uh, yes, live streamed, available on Flow Racing. Log on to flowracing.com, the same service that live streamed our Tech World Door Slammer Nationals presented by Jags just a few weeks ago, uh, where you can also find NMCA, PDRA, and a host of other really great motorsports content. It's uh, an annual subscription service, but in my opinion, it's the best 150 bucks you'll ever spend. If you can't justify spending $150 to help put money in the po- the pockets of race promoters uh, that are that are breaking their backs and breaking the bank to put on these events, um, I don't know what to tell you. It's important. And I'll tell you that the thing that is lost on a lot of people that I see maybe griping about $149 or whatever, and I get it. It's a it's it's not cheap, right? But what it's what it could do and what it represents in the racing economy, we need it. We need someone like Flo making money, right? Monetizing this content and then sharing that revenue with promoters. I can tell you right now, there's not a race promoter that's putting an event on Flo that's not benefiting from it somehow, either directly in terms of a actual payment, like a check from Flo to a promoter or in some sort of affiliate marketing program. And that is fantastic. So think about Chris Graves when you're buying your 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 Flow Racing membership. Think about Donald Long. Think about Tyler Crossnow. Think about Tommy and Judy Franklin. Think about Steve Wolcott. Think about everybody, Raleigh Miller, all these people that are killing themselves to put on world-class drag racing events. And if you can show your support by buying a streaming service subscription, I implore you to do it. But again, Nitro Funny Car Chaos coming up this weekend will be streamed live on Flow. Uh, to answer your question, I apologize, Jeremy. Is it new and old funny cars? Yes, it'll be new and old funny cars. You'll see kind of a mix, say, uh, a mix of like what I would call like big show funny cars and nostalgia nitro funny cars. It'll be a mix. I admit that I don't know like the breakdown of if they're all in one class. I don't totally know. But last I heard, there were 68, 68 funny cars pre-entered for Funny Car Chaos this weekend, weekend at the Texas Motorplex. Let's see if we've got any other questions. Wes, is Funny Car Chaos going to be quarter mile? I Wow. I don't know if it's quarter mile or eighth mile. It's eighth mile, Gary Wheeler says. Thank you, Gary Wheeler. Um, so, yeah, Gary Wheeler says it's eighth mile. Fantastic. Um, going to be eighth, eighth mile. Uh, Fletcher Cox, you can't get one month. They charge you the entire year. Yeah, bro. And that's the thing for me, uh, personally, I would encourage you guys to buy it, support them. It puts money in promoters pockets. And one of the things that is slept on in the industry is how important successful promoters are. If, if guys like Donald Long aren't successful, if guys like Tyler Crossnow aren't successful, if guys like Bo and Randy Lynn, uh, Bo Butner and Randy Lynn ship aren't successful, Steve Wolcott, Raleigh Miller, um, I, I'm, I'm, there's tons of them. Matt Plotkin down with the no prep series in San Antonio, Shannon Morgan, uh, all these people that put on races that put on great events, Jason Miller, um, Britain slate Cummings come to mind. Obviously the, the promoters of the guaranteed million, the great American guaranteed million. These people need to be successful. It's important. It's very important that they're making money, that these events are financially responsible for themselves because they're never going to be able to grow. They're never going to be able to pay more money. They're never going to be able to make improvements, add classes, grow, do add events, whatever, if there's not 
money being made. And I, I'm telling you guys, don't feel bad about writing that $150 check or, or getting that ding on your credit card statement. $150 a year to have access to all that content is pretty incredible, to be honest. It's 2021. I know people pay more than that for their cell phone bill. They pay more than that for all sorts of stuff, for clothing. My wife spends more than that probably on her Stitch Fix box. Maybe, I'm not sure. But I'm just saying, drag racing is worth $150 a year. Even if you watch once, if all you watched was the Orlando event, our race, the SeaTech World Door Slammer Nationals presented by Jags, I think you got your money's worth. Support these people, support people that are trying to put money into the sport of drag racing. I understand there's some stigma because it's like, oh, that's free and this is paid. I get it. I totally appreciate that argument and I totally understand it. It's a big change of pace. It's always hard when something's been free for years and years and years to start charging for it. But the only way this economy, the drag racing economy changes is if there is a flow sport. The sport, drag racing needs an ABC, NBC, Fox, ESPN. You need that. That's where money comes from, right? Let those companies, companies like Flow Racing, let them figure out how to sell a sponsorship to GoDaddy. Let them figure out how to sell a sponsorship to Nabisco or Coca-Cola. Because most of us small race promoters, we can't get that deal done, right? We don't have maybe the market impact. We don't have the numbers required to get deals like that done. With millions and millions of views and tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of paying members, Flow Racing can command a, a big dollar for, for advertising on their programming. That money will be passed through to promoters. That money, once it arrives at promoters, will be passed through to racers. So it's a win for our sport when you buy that subscription. I got a check from Flow Racing. I won't lie to y'all. They paid us. And I that that's important. And I, I, that's something that needs to happen in our industry. You should be paid. Promoters should be rewarded financially for putting on these events and allowing people to stream it. Right. And the only way they can do that easily, I mean, the most direct pathway to do it is to monetize the audience. Right. And I'll tell you in this social media, I see these posts Oh, they shouldn't charge anything. They should just charge Edelbrock or ch charge Holly or charge these companies. Man, these companies can't do can't, can't do it. They're spending money all over the place. They're doing social media. They, they've got they're doing they're advertising in Drag Illustrator. They're advertising on Comp Plus. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're buying. And what many of us fail to realize is with a lot of these companies, drag racing is only a sliver of their of their market, right? I, I know there are many companies in drag racing. You would be stunned to know do most of their business away from our sport. I can tell you a legendary engine builder right now who is a dominate, a very well-known force in the sport of drag racing that generates 60% of his company's revenue in truck and tractor pulling, right? So you got to remember Jags, just as an example, they can't just advertise in drag racing. They got to advertise in drag racing. They got to advertise in circle track racing, street car events, show car events, classic cars, retro, whatever, all these other things. There's so boats off road. They've got so much ground to cover with their marketing dollar. And a lot of times I think people maybe fail to realize that like, you know, they can't just spend it all with flow. So what flow is, is, has had to do. And a lot, this is not new, right? And we're going to see it more and more. I believe it's coming in cable 
very soon. In my opinion, in the very near future, you won't get 150 channels from Dish Network. You will pay for food, $2.99 a month. Food Network, I would, because I love Food Network. My daughter and I watch Beat Bobby Flay all the time. Um, I want Bobby Flay to win. She wants him to lose. I like Bobby Flay. He seems like kind of an edgy guy. I like him. Anyways, you pay for the channels you want. You'll pay for ESPN, a monthly fee. You'll pay for Food Network, a monthly fee. You'll pay for Bravo, or I will because my wife can't live without it. Um, so on and so forth. That's where this is headed. So I would just tell you to kind of get ready for more and more and more of this, right? Advertising dollars. All of us that sell more advertising are competing for a couple percentage points. You don't realize that. Google and Facebook soak up like 95 cents of every dollar that's spent on marketing in the world, right? Or in America. Wrap your head around that. So Google and Facebook account for 95 cents of every dollar that's spent on advertising in the United States. Those numbers may not be 100% correct, but they're close. So what I'm telling you is everybody else from flow racing to drag illustrated to every other to whatever truck website exists to dirttrack.com or whatever we're all fighting for five cents right and we're fighting for a fraction of that five cents because based on our market size so it's not as easy for flow to just say hey we're going to charge edelbrock four million a year and give this away for free there may be some special scenario where things like that can happen, but by and large, it doesn't work. So I didn't mean to go on a tangent about this, but I think it's important that we support the sport of drag racing. So spend a little bit of money. You'll be fine. Don't buy a, you know, you, there's surely something that you can trade out for it. And I tell you what, I'm going to work with Flo to get them to give me some free ones, some free passes so I can give them away on this show right here. So, sorry. Um, what else? headed home, go out to the tracks, make owners, make money. Boom, boom, boom. Huge congrats on the win. Fletcher Cox, Sean Ayers, the gang, NMCA pro mod record. Another incredible, pro, that pro mod, man, a lot of momentum. It's, I, I, if we could get them all under one roof someday, just imagine, just imagine what could have. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. Let me see if there's any other questions and I'm a bounce. Oh, my wife. Yeah, she kind of did get bra. Um, I don't tan. I need someone to defend me on this. I mean, I don't tan. I tan outside. Like, I trust me, Saturday and Sunday in San Antonio, as soon as I saw that there was sun and a pool and empty chairs, I was down there because I'm trying to catch that golden brown. I got a little ways to go, but I made some progress. Love you guys. Thanks for chatting. Uh, will we see you at PDR Eagle Lot? Yes, Mark Caruso. Um, I just crushed my wife's plans to go home for the weekend so that I could go there. So, uh, but yeah, thank you guys all so much. Watch the Carusos, um, support the sport of drag racing. All of us that are serving as the talking heads of our industry morning, uh, slam and Sam and uh, money morning racer over on the competition plus power hour. We're trying to, to keep the conversation going to keep people talking about the sport of drag racing. This is a fantastic thing in my opinion for, for, for everybody in our industry is to keep these conversations going. So love you guys. Appreciate you all so much. Are the horns on the back wall from G from JT's Tundra? No, I bought them at Hobby Lobby and it's probably not as exciting of an answer as you wanted, but I bought all this shit at Hobby Lobby. 
I went to Hobby Lobby and I spent $700 on all this stuff. I got a constitution, or I think that's the Declaration of Independence, excuse me. Got some speed limit signs. I bought this stop sign thing. Yeah, if you wanted to know how to spend $700 at Hobby Lobby, hit me up. I can do it. Love you guys. Thanks for your support, Kenneth. I appreciate it a lot more than you know. Um, I do think I saw Randy and Mandy Bain. Are you going to come back to Eddieville Raceway sometime? Yeah, I hope to get up there maybe this year. Uh, I miss Eddieville. You know, that's where my drag racing career kind of started. My first ever job in drag racing really was at uh, Eddieville Raceway Park. And I, I have some of the fondest memories of my life from that, from that uh, little parcel of land in Southeast Iowa. Um, the first time I ever had my own house. Um, all sorts of experiences, um, many that I can't talk about here, but it was a great time to be alive and I miss it. And I hope to see you up there sometime soon. Hope everybody up there in, uh, the greater Midwest, my former home, Missouri and Iowa, where I spent so much time. I hope you're all doing well. Love you guys. Talk soon.